My dear brethren and sisters, there was, was there not, just one day in the year when the whole of this tabernacle structure was put into use. And of course that was the Day of Atonement, when the High Priest alone was to go beyond the veil into the most holy place. And perhaps it seems fitting that we conclude our studies with just uh, a brief canter through, I think, we shan't look at detail at Leviticus and chapter 16. Let's just have a look at verse 1 because it's important for us to understand the context at which the Day of Atonement is recorded and against what background. Verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 16. And Yahweh spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before Yahweh and died so it's in the background in the context of the transgression of the sons of Aaron Nadab and Abihu that the day of atonement is given to us in the record and here's another example of law added because of transgression And of course what had taken place is recorded back in Leviticus chapter 10. Let's just very briefly see what it was that Nadab and Abihu had done. It's important for us to note just one phrase here which is going to give us the reason why they did what they did. And it's in verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 10. And we read there, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before Yahweh which he commanded them not that's the point which he commanded them not and we only need to go back to Exodus 30 and verse 9 to see that the commandment was that no strange incense was to be offered now what did Nadab and Abihu done? They had, had they not, exalted themselves above the (coughs) commandment of the Father. (coughs) Whereas, as sons of Aaron, as part of the priesthood, they should have humbled themselves under the commandment of God. (coughs) But no, they had exalted themselves above the commandment of God. And that was the basic problem here. And that problem occurred a number of times, as we know, through the priesthood. And it manifests to us, I think, the spirit in which the Day of Atonement in particular was to be undertaken. It was a day in which a spirit of humility was to be manifested. And the basic problem here that we see taking place in Leviticus 10 is a spirit that is described quite well by Micah. Can we just have a look at Micah in chapter 6? Here, the spirit of mind manifested by Nadab and Abihu is is quite eloquently put here in Micah and chapter 6 Micah chapter 6 and verse 6 wherewith shall I come before Yahweh and bow myself before the high God Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will Yahweh be pleased with thousands of rams or with 
ten thousands of rivers of oil shall I give my firstborn for my transgression the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul he hath showed thee O man what is good and what doth Yahweh require of thee but to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God or as the, uh, the revised version puts it to humble thyself to walk with thy God the fulfilment of the law was not as important as the spirit in which it was undertaken God was not satisfied with any of the offerings unless they were brought with the right mind and that's what Nadab and Abihu had failed to do they had exalted themselves above the commandment of God and done that which he had not <coughs> commanded and so the day of atonement in that background is given to us in the record can we come back to Leviticus 16 and just see this day for a moment as a day that portrays the need for service with humility and I think that's signified in verse 4 Aaron shall come and he shall put on the holy linen coat he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen mitre shall he be attired these are holy garments therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and put them on <coughs> he's taken off his garments of glory and beauty and he has put on linen garments now the linen garments have not the embroidery of glory and of beauty if you like they are plain nevertheless it's linen it's a symbol of righteousness yet it manifests the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as seen in Isaiah 53 he hath no form nor comeliness there is no beauty that we should desire him yet in his work brethren and sisters he was the holy one of Israel just have a look at Acts chapter 2 verse that portrays to us that in his ministry he was the Holy One of Israel yet he humbled himself to do the will of his father and the two things come together verse 27 just an example Acts 2 verse 27 because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption in his ministry he was the Holy One of Israel as Aaron was here to be robed in holy garments but they were linen and they did not manifest glory and beauty in the sense of those other garments and this whole day of atonement I see brethren and sisters as a as an indication of the spirit in which the service is to be undertaken I think that's beautifully portrayed as, as a, a picture in the Gospel of John in chapter 13 could we come there and look at the 
manifestation of this spirit in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ as the high priest John chapter 13 we'll just go through this piece by piece and see how in this chapter the aspects of the Levitical aspect of priesthood is brought into Christ and applied in terms of our service verse 3 Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God we won't go to Leviticus 8 but there we have the record of the consecration of the high priest and as we know when the high priest was consecrated his hands were filled the word consecration means to fill the hands And here the Lord Jesus Christ is presented to us as the high priest in that verse. He had given all things into his hands. He's filled his hands. So what does Jesus do in this context? Well in verse 4, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. Now in Leviticus chapter 16, that's what... Aaron has done he's laid aside his garments and he has girded himself with linen robes a linen girdle verse 5 and after that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash I'm leaving you behind my apologies brethren and sisters just one more if we could <clears throat> laid aside his garments girded himself and then he washed and we read of that in verse 5 of Leviticus 16 where in this process of changing the garments the, the high priest was to wash but here the lesson comes out in that the washing process here with the Lord Jesus Christ was that he washed others he washed his disciples feet even though he was high priest then we come down to verse 12 of John 13 so after he had washed their feet and had taken garments he takes his garments back again we go down one further step we'll have a look at this keep your finger in John 13 have a look at Leviticus 16 and verse 24 <coughs> And he shall wash his flesh with water in the holy place and put on his garments and come forth and offer his burnt offering, etc. Further offerings were undertaken. If you see what has happened in the period between the two changing of garments here, but here he puts on his garments. And that must be his garments of glory and of beauty. And if we come back to John chapter 13, then the Lord Jesus Christ, in the context of what is presented to us, taking our minds back to the Day of Atonement, examines the lesson, verse 14. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that ye should do. Remember this tabernacle is all about doing as I have done 
to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent, the he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. If we finish off and just reveal the rest, we can see that we have the example and the presentation of the example set by the Lord Jesus Christ is the spirit of service that's in contrast to that that was manifested by Nadab and Abihu which introduces Leviticus and chapter 16 and the lesson is for us as priests before God the royal priesthood we have to examine ourselves against this example here what do we do for one another especially for those as we said earlier in the week that might be a little more difficult in our own minds to get on with what is our contribution to unity to fellowship and to the work of the truth and surely here this service of humility is why the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry concerning his own sacrifice concentrated upon what he was to do for his brethren if we just come back to Leviticus chapter 16 (coughs) brother John yesterday very powerfully pointed out this point to us Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 18 in between this changing of garments process we have this fact verse 18 and he shall go out unto the altar that is before Yahweh and make an atonement for it he has already come as we have been told already out of the most holy place and what are the features of this chapter in Leviticus that we're going to see now brethren and sisters is the import of the resurrection the import of the resurrection a key point that only after the resurrection were the garments of glory and beauty to be put on again and of course it was only after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that he was changed the apostle Paul is going to put it better than I can 2nd Corinthians and chapter 5 here is the principle that I think is being manifested here in the chapter we're looking at verse 1 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we have a building of God and house not made with hands we've been talking about this greater and more perfect tabernacle that's not made with hands and he goes on eternal in the heavens for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven this change of clothing if so be sorry if so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked for we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened not for that we would be unclothed but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life 
and as those garments of glory and beauty were taken up so after his resurrection he was changed and we look upon him and there is both glory and there is beauty that could be manifested by all now it's important then and we can't look at all of Leviticus 16 but it's important what happens in between those two verses we've looked at indicating these clothes in particular these two goats go back to Leviticus 16 then and let's just have a look at this process of atonement that takes place with these two goats there were two other offerings in particular that were made we shan't touch those uh, this morning time won't allow now the atonement process involves as we read in verse 6 for himself that's Aaron for his house and later on in verse 15 it speaks of for the people involving three people the Lord Jesus Christ clearly was involved in his sacrifice it was for his house but it was for the people also those that had not yet entered into the priesthood and so the blood of the everlasting covenant stretches until the time when the period of probation ends that opportunity there is presented to all those that have been called and yet to be called in the hope of the father which is why in a sense after he puts back on garments of glory and beauty the process of offerings isn't quite yet finished it perhaps indicates that ongoing process let's have a look at the scapegoat then Leviticus 16 in verse 7 he shall take the two goats and present them before Yahweh at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation read in verse 8 Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats one lot for Yahweh the other lot for the scapegoat and Aaron shall bring the goat upon which Yahweh's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering if we could have our, our next slide we see here a process involving these two goats at the door it begins there is the sin offering verse 10 but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before Yahweh to make an atonement with him to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness and that process is described in verse 22 of the goat bearing upon him the iniquities unto a land not inhabited we're just going through these to look at what the record's telling us at the moment then in verse 12 we have Aaron entering into the most holy place with the censer of burning coals of fire and then with blood and just an interesting point brethren and sisters that we want to draw out here because we're going to see a parallel in a moment when Aaron entered in beyond the veil what did he see? well he went in with that incense that was to create a cloud look at verse 13 he shall put the incense upon the fire before Yahweh that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat the cloud of incense to cover the mercy seat so it was the cloud surrounding the two cherubim now that 
process brethren and sisters is a picture of resurrection it is a picture of Acts chapter 1 put together so eloquently that that we couldn't have recorded it ourselves come to Acts chapter 1 and if we could just reveal the other side we'll go step by step down and see the parallels here that our minds are being drawn to by this word Aaron comes to the door of the tabernacle as the Lord Jesus Christ stands on the Mount of Olives he's at the door about to ascend Hebrews 9 verse 24 Christ not entered into holy places made with hands but into heaven itself and that's where he is in Acts chapter 1 Acts 1 verse 3 to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion and that phrase gives to us the two goats the phrase after his passion better rendered after his suffering he had given his life the sin offering had been presented it had been given the scapegoat was presented a lie again this word showed I think it's according to Young's is also better rendered presented so here the Lord Jesus Christ as the antitypical scapegoat presented himself alive just as it was recorded in Leviticus chapter 16 of course that process had achieved had it not the fulfilment of the goat bearing iniquity surely he hath borne our griefs and so on we recognise that don't we from Isaiah <coughs> and chapter 53 and Aaron then enters into the most holy place with the censer the Lord Jesus Christ was taken up Acts 1 verse 9 but what received him it was a cloud that received him it wasn't an ordinary cloud it, it was a cloud of glory there was, there was something different about this surely and what was to be seen as they saw that cloud appear to take up the Lord Jesus Christ they looked and they beheld what verse 10 while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel two angels in the cloud just as Aaron would have seen the two cherubim in the cloud created from the incense and you see here the concentration upon that resurrection process he had been changed and so it was that that scapegoat was to look forward to this time when the Lord Jesus Christ would indeed be taken up and having entered in what was it that Aaron did brethren and sisters well let's come back to Leviticus in chapter 16 we've indicated it already Leviticus chapter 16 verse 15 then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood 
within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat we're only concentrating on the goat at the moment at this, in this address so the blood was to be sprinkled upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat it was between the cherubim you remember those faces looked <coughs> upon the mercy seat and to each other in that uh, picture that we saw of the Ark of the Covenant one man to his brother and here clearly foreshadowing the death the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ we put our next slide up the cherubim each side of the mercy seat with the blood between again it's pointing forward to a picture brethren and sisters that we might see John chapter 20 this time and this may well be a picture that you've seen before nevertheless let's have a look at what happened the message has gone out the Lord Jesus Christ is no longer in the tomb verse 11 John 20 verse 11 but Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping and as she wept she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre and seeth two angels in white sitting the one at the head the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain and if we ha haven't got a picture of the mercy seat in our mind perhaps we can think of it now where the body had lain the feet and at the head there was an angel at each end and that's what Mary saw but what was it that Simon Peter saw verse 6 then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself and perhaps we have to use our imagination here but perhaps it's not unreasonable that those linen clothes would have soaked up the blood from that battered body that it had indeed covered and when Mary looked in she would have seen those too surely and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ there between the two angels the very sight that was created by the high priest once in the year here is our mercy seat presented to us that we might see the hope of life the book of Hebrews chapter 9 we've been to a number of these verses through various talks this week let's just take a little step by step way through Hebrews 9 and then just a few verses in Hebrews 10 verse 7 but into the second went the high priest alone once every year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people that points our mind back to where we are in Leviticus chapter 16 Hebrews 10 verse 12 but this man 
after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. That's the picture we've seen in Acts chapter 1 that's presented to us through the scapegoat. But it's one sacrifice for sins forever. Verse 17, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. The veil is breached. That is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God. The high priest, the one who undertook his service with humility, has brought this new and this living way, consecrated for us, that we as the holy priesthood might enter in by his work and have our bodies changed, brethren and sisters, changed into ones like unto his glorious body, there lies our hope here that is presented to us by the principles of what took place on the day of atonement now as we said Aaron of necessity in doing this service had to go beyond the veil which is his flesh through the veil we have our next overhead please Amos chapter 8 gives us again it's, it's a lovely picture of the accomplishment of this process of the day of atonement seen in the work of Christ Amos chapter 8 just gives to us a little indication of where Amos's mind is being directed in terms of prophecy verse 8 Shall not the land tremble for this, and everyone mourn that dwelleth therein? Think of a time when the land trembled. Well, add to that verse 9, It shall come to pass in that day, uh, saith the Lord Yahweh, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon. I will darken the earth in a clear day. Can you remember a time when that happened as well as shaking the earth and a trembling? during the process of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ while he hung there these things were accomplished but what for? chapter 9 verse 1 I saw the Lord standing upon the altar the altar that was before the veil and he said smite the lintel of the door why? why smite the lintel of the door? Well, he, as he hung there without the city it is finished the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom from the lintel down why? that the posts may shake and the word posts there elsewhere is better translated basins it's the very word that's used when the Israelites 
struck the doorposts and the lintel with the blood. Blood was from the basins. Exodus 12, same word. Those basins are shaken because here is the fulfillment of that law of Moses. Remember how Brother John took us to that line without the other line. These things come together. Here those things were accomplished and they're shaken away. Concentration, the continuation is in the Abrahamic covenant. And that accomplished the cutting of the head and cut them in the head. The fulfilment of Genesis 3 verse 15. That his heel was being bruised in this process. But in that process he was crushing the head of the seed of the serpent. Cutting it in the head if you like in the terms that Amos is using here. Same idea. And in this process there is raised up the tabernacle of David. Read that. Amos 9 verse 11 In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen close up the breaches thereof I will raise up his ruins I will build it as the days of old and verse 15 I will plant them upon their land and they shall noble be pulled out of their land we've been talking of the greater and more perfect tabernacle that tabernacle that God is rearing up that he might gather together a people for his name and the day of atonement and the principles of it points us to Christ he is the day of atonement and the principles are embodied in him that we might look forward to death resurrection and the changing of our bodies yet we know that that work is not yet finished Acts chapter 1 again if we could Words we know well. A very favourite, I guess, Sunday school proof. Verse 11. These two male men who stood in white apparel spoke, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And we saw yesterday, didn't we? That in Solomon's temple the staves were lengthened, drawn out, that they might be seen, that this might be for us, that we might never lose sight of this promise that he will come again to take unto him a people. And his return of the Lord Jesus Christ is that which we daily pray we hope and we desire Revelation chapter 11 here we we have a description essentially of the staves 
that poked out in Solomon's temple. Revelation 11 verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. There were lightnings and voices, thunderings and earthquakes and great hail. In Acts chapter 1 he left the Mount of Olives. And we know, don't we, Zechariah 14, how he will stand on the same mount again after his return. He shall come the second time without sin unto salvation. And it seems in Leviticus 16 that the high priest came out of the most holy place a second time. He went in twice, once with the blood of the bullock and the second time with the blood of the goat. And so we look for him who shall appear the second time. And he will come to us as the glory of God, brothers and sisters, as the glory of God. Can you, as we bring our thoughts to a close, which we must, Ezekiel chapter 1. Through Ezekiel, we can have our next slide, we have a very fascinating journey that the glory of God takes right through the book. If you just take the salient points here. In verse 14, of course, Ezekiel 1, the vision of the cherubim here. Verse 14, the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. So there's a journeying here, a journeying that involves the glory of God. That's picked up, chapter 10, verse 1, isn't it? And I looked and behold in the firmament, verse 1 of chapter 10, that was above the head of the cherubims and there appeared over them as it were a sapphire stone as the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Now we read in verse 4 of chapter 10, take it down one more. Then the glory of Yahweh went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of Yahweh's glory. And the Lord Jesus Christ took his journey out of Jerusalem from the threshold of the house. To verse 18. Then the glory of Yahweh departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. When they went out, the wheels also were beside them. Everyone stood at the door of the east gate of Yahweh's house. So the journey is going eastwards until verse 22. The likeness of their faces was the same faces when I saw by the river of Kibar their appearance and themselves. They went everyone straight forwards chapter 11 verse 22 and that should say chapter 11 my apologies then did the cherubims lift up their wings and the wheels beside them and the glory of the God of Israel was over them above and the glory of Yahweh went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain which is on the east side 
And that's the journey the Lord Jesus Christ took. And from that point we don't have a mention of the glory of God until we have chapter 43. And so it was from Olives they went, he went up into heaven. Until we come to chapter 43 and we read in verse 2. And behold the glory of God of Israel came from the way of the east and his voice was like a noise of many waters. The earth shined with his glory. This is what we're waiting for. This is what we desire. The glory coming from the east. In verse 4 the glory of Yahweh came into the house by the way of the gate whose prospect is toward the east. We only have to look at Zechariah 14 and verse 4 to see how these pictures follow through. Chapter 46, verse 1. Thus saith Yahweh, The gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened. In Acts 1 verse 12, those disciples took their journey back, a Sabbath day's journey, that they might sit together as one, praising and thanking the Father, as that united ecclesia, as it was in the beginning, as Christ, as we saw before this week, left his ecclesia, as one, praising and thanking. And we posed the question before, didn't we? How will he find his ecclesia when he comes? It's for us in our endeavours, brethren and sisters, to seek the same spirit in which that ecclesia was when he left it. And so it is that here this cherubim, this glory, is Christ and the saint. Will we be there, brethren and sisters? Are we prepared? Let us conclude our study by just coming to Revelation and chapter 21. We read these words last night, didn't we? But how appropriate just to, as it were, pull together those things that we've attempted to see in this week. Verse 3 And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying Behold the tabernacle of God is with men He will dwell with them They shall be his people God himself shall be with them And be their God Let us go away brethren and sisters And let us consider Are we his people? What are we doing to be his people? What does he require of us to be his people? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor cry, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And we are presented with these things that our mortal minds find difficult to comprehend, do they not? 
Revelation 22. Verse 4. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. How much of that name is already there? There shall be no night there. The light to the courtyard of the tabernacle was the sun. Neither the light of the sun, the verse says. So the courtyard no longer needs the sun. They need no candle. The holy place no longer needs a lampstand. But the glory that was in the most holy place as the only light there will be the only light that is required. For we read, the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign forever and ever. Are you ready?